listening to the Gesher Podcast, the place where the Jewish and evangelical Christian communities come together to talk about the things that matter. I'm your host, Ty Perry, ministry representative for the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry here in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. Thanks for joining me. The Jewish National Fund is known for its blue box, a tin bank or pushka, that Jews and other Friends of Israel around the world have kept in their homes for generations. The coins and dollars put into those boxes have been used by the Jewish National Fund to plant trees and otherwise develop the land of Israel and help its people. Today, the work of Jewish National Fund continues, and although it still distributes blue boxes, the scope of the organization's projects is vast. My guest today is JNF's CEO, Russell Robinson. Under Mr. Robinson's leadership, JNF has been instrumental in developing successful programs for Israel's water crisis, Zionist advocacy and education, community development, environmental work, and the sustainable development of the Negev and Galilee regions. Under his direction, JNF launched its $1 billion roadmap campaign. Robinson is featured in the best-selling management book, The 24-Hour Turnaround, How Amazing Entrepreneurs Succeed in Tough Times, and has appeared on TV, radio, and newspapers throughout the world, representing Jewish National Fund. In 2016, the Jerusalem Post named Robinson one of the 50 most influential Jews in the world, and I am honored to have him on the show today as my guest. Russell Robinson, welcome to the Gesher Podcast. Thank you very much, Ty, and I really, really appreciate you having me and the Jewish National Fund on your very important podcast. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm I'm excited to have you here because the Jewish National Fund uh, is very important to me. I'm so thankful for the work you do uh, for the people and the land of Israel. Um, I was in Israel the last time uh, two years ago. And it seems like everywhere you look, there's a there's a plaque saying sponsored by Jewish National Fund. And uh, I love that. I love to see the work that you're doing there. So thank you for that. Um, I wanted to start off with some of the history. The history of JNF is very interesting to me. Uh, tell me a little bit about how this started. So, Ty, it is uh, a 120-year-old organization. And it, I, I think it's an interesting story about how you have to do something if you really want it to happen. So the Jews have been dispersed for 2,000 years. Now, there's always been a Jewish population in Ben Palestine, uh, pre-Israel, but it, it's been dispersed, the diaspora, from the destruction of the Second Temple. And there's been a lot of movements of wanting to return to the land. But 120 years ago, a young man in his 30s, a Theodor Herzl, brought together a dispersed Jewish community from all parts of the world, and a poor Jewish community, brought them together and said, we need to act. Now, we could go with biblical as a fact that the land of Israel is ours. We could go with legal that the land of Israel is ours. But if we want to make it happen, we're going to have to repurchase the land of Israel. And let's collect money. And that's where that famous blue box, the tin boxes that you talk about, literally were a major gift opportunity back then. You have to, people were taking food off of their plate, placing coins in a blue box collected by somebody from Jewish National Fund, all based upon hope. They didn't have 
uh, a Gesher podcast. They didn't have internet. They didn't have brochures. They had 2,000 years of dreams. And based upon dreams and hopes, they raised money and they repurchased the land of Israel. And I always use the word repurchase because I believe it was ours. But there was other people that had, quote, claim on it. And so we repurchased acre by acre of land, of land sold to us by people who wanted to freely sell their land. And we were buying land not in the best areas. We were buying land in the far north and the south, places that swamp, that people thought they were just, yeah, if they want to buy this land, sell it to them. But we took that land and that repurchased the land, and it wasn't just the ownership, Ty. It was what we did with the land, and we started developing. So another famous thing that the Jewish National Fund is known for is tree planting. But that tree planting, which people go online to jnf.org and order a tree in memory of for themselves, in honor of a, a, a birthday, a, a, a wedding, or whatever it may be, a birth, and even today, so that was another opportunity to connect to the repurchasing of that land. Uh, we were planting trees, over 270 million trees. I have to tell you, it wasn't an environmental movement back then. We became. But it was to hold on to the land. People have to remember that the Ottoman Empire was in charge. And during that time when you bought land, you either lived on it or, or grew on it in seven years or lose it. And so the tree planting was really a way to hold on to the land of ownership. It then became watershed management and beautification and environmental, but 270 million hand planted trees, making Israel the only country that ended the last century with more trees in it than it began. Yeah, when I was reading um, a little bit about the background, the history of your organization, I came across the term afforestation which was new to me, that I, I've always heard reforestation, uh, but afforestation, you were planting forests where they never had been before. Well, you know, there's a lot of stories. If you look back at during the Roman Empire, the, 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 the destruction of the temple was cutting down pine forest, I mean, uh, uh, oaks and uh, the Jerusalem oaks and, and, and so on. By the way, Mark Twain was in the Holy Land in the 1800s and he wrote. So I always can tell people you want to, uh, you, you you don't have to believe us. Go read Mark Twain. He wrote, I don't know who God promised this land to, but they should ask for a refund because there is nothing growing here and there will be nothing growing here because he was traveling throughout the Holy Land and all he saw was an empty piece of land. And and so in his joking way, he said that in, in his writings. So we were planting forests. By the way, people who were immigrants coming into Israel from uh, uh, North Africa and Arab countries, Jews who are coming to, again, re-participate in the, in, the, in the development of the land of Israel as the his ancestral soil of the Jewish people, that's how they also got paid. It was an employment opportunity. And that's why trees were being planted in places like you'd say, why, how would they get to the top of these mountains and rocky hills? So it was an employment opportunity and they were replanting. And then the land took and the roots took 
And we, it wasn't just planting of a tree, it was loving a land and it was building a community and it was building a, a kibbutz and a moshav. And so that's why the blue box today, by the way, you could go online and still order the, our historic blue boxes. You could still order the trees. They're not our fundraising methodology that they were back then, but they're an opportunity to connect to the land and to the people of Israel. Well, Russell, I want to ask you uh, about your history with JNF. My understanding is that you came on back in the late 90s, and at that time you were the youngest CEO in Jewish National Fund's history. Is that right? Uh, it sounds like uh, so long ago, and I was still young, but yes. Why JNF? What what drew you to the mission of the organization? So I came from a business background into the nonprofit world. I was going back into the business you know, world. And Ty, I met a, 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 a man named Ronald Lauder from S.C. Lauder. And he had become the president of the Jewish National Fund. I didn't know him then. And he asked me to come to his office and to talk to him about ideas for the Jewish National Fund. So I figured to meet Ronald Lauder, it was a great opportunity anyway. And I didn't really know what he wanted. But I was listening to him talk about what he wanted to do with the organization. At that time, Israel was facing a water catastrophe. Not a crisis, a catastrophe. If you Googled and looked, every article was writing that by the year 2000 or 2025 at the latest, Israel would be out of water. Now, water is the source of life. There's, it's the most important part. If you don't have a drop of water, you don't have life. And Israel not only was facing this water catastrophe, the Middle East was facing this water catastrophe. And, you know, you know from being in, 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 in the Vegas, the great water wars in the United States, you know, weren't over land, it was over water. And, and water is still that precious commodity that makes everything happen, you know, to grow. And here is Ronald Lauder, a billionaire, who had a choice to be doing his own foundation, doing his own work, but he wanted to make sure that he gathered people together. And he said, we got to deal with this water catastrophe. And I said, Mr. Lauder, I was here to give you some advice. I'm not too sure what you meant, we. And he talked me into, I saw when you could have vision, drive, you could be a little crazy, that I wanted to be part of that. And not only was I able to be able to be part of that, Israel, we, the Jewish National Fund, we understood sophisticated philanthropy. We raised over $300 million for sewage water. I mean, really, if you, you think about it, it's not such an emotional pitch. But today, Israel reuses 89% of its water. The country next to us is France at 27%, and the United States is 5%. That means that every drop of water is not just used once, it's a precious commodity used over and over. And we were able to take from that, from that to desalinization to providing water, but we made the gap for farmland, for public areas. We provide three and a half million people water essentially per year because of our reservoir systems and our recycle systems. And then we were able to take 60% of the land of Israel that people wouldn't go to, the Negev, and we can start bringing people there because we found solutions to the water. So I got involved because of a man who I saw could have done anything he wanted, but he chose an organization. And, and I have to tell you, it's important about 
joining congregations or joining movements, you can do things on your own. But if you bring people together, isn't that the greatest gift that you could do? And I was able to be part of that and continue to be part of that great vision for tomorrow. I want to talk about that vision. Uh, you use that word vision, and I noticed in in the literature of JNF, the that word comes up all the time. Talk about the vision of Jewish National Fund. So it's something that my uh, um, my leadership and my professionals always kind of roll their eyes after a while because I say we don't do projects, we do vision. Under vision are a lot of projects, so we want to know where we're going, what's our goal, what's our objective. So water, I told you about. 60% of the land of Israel is the negative 60 time. And yet it had less than 6% of the population. Beersheba, Beersheba, where Abraham's well is, where it was the beginning of monolithic religion, both Christian, uh, Islam, and Judaism. And Abraham's well was behind a locked fence. Not because... They didn't care, but they didn't care. You know who would come to Beersheba to see it anyway. You know it was like it was a pop, it was it was a city that was losing population. So we set a vision to set five hundred thousand people to move to the Negev. People laughed at us, but today Beersheba went from one hundred ninety thousand people to losing three percent per year to now two hundred and fifty thousand, the fastest growing city in Israel. We built a seven-mile river walk. We just opened a 29-acre lake, recycled water in Beersheba. Abraham's well, when you're able to travel to Israel, make Israel your first opportunity to go internationally and go down to Abraham's well, where we turned into a world-class visitor center so people could hear the story, be part of the beginning to what the future is, to new communities in the Negev, to the Arava below the Dead Sea and a lot. A population of 7,500 is going to 15,000, and and we're doing projects in Africa with there. So our vision was about bringing populations in. It's not land ownership by ownership. It's who's there. It's who's developing. It's who's building a home, who's building a, a, a community center. So on the Gaza trip, facing enemies every single day are a group of people. And do you know how we're fighting our enemies? Not with tanks, not with planes, great instruments, Iron Dome. We're planting, we're planting crops. We're building community centers. We sadly have to build therapeutic centers for the people suffering from PTSD, but we're building new housing sites. So while our enemy is trying to scare us, no, no. They're looking over and seeing us build, build life, build for tomorrow. And that is a vision for the Negev and the Galil, 17% of the land of Israel. We're going to be moving 300,000 people there. So it's a big part of the land of Israel and it's a big part of our future. And we get to be part of that vision. I, you know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking of, of God's uh, order or command to, to Israel, to the Jewish people. He says, I set before you death and life, choose life. And certainly in this case, Jewish National Fund, you're choosing life. Um, so I appreciate that. Can you talk a little bit uh, to the audience about the $1 billion roadmap? This is fascinating to me. Uh, I know you have a, a variety of, um, of areas that this encompasses. Talk to us about that. So we set uh, seven years ago <clears throat> a goal that people, again, you have to have vision and you have to have goal. We set a billion dollar campaign. 
So in seven years, I'm telling you that we're way ahead of our goal, but I'm not ready to change it yet because, uh, you know, I, I, I want to be ahead and not uh, and, and celebrate. So we're not going to change our bill, but we're well ahead of it now in the seventh year of our campaign. But we did something that most organizations never do. We didn't just set capital campaign goals. We set goals of how to engage people. So we are the Zionist organization in America connecting young Americans to Israel, Jewish and non-Jewish. So 20 to 25,000 young people between kindergarten and eighth grade are engaged in Zionist activities connecting to the land of Israel every year through the Jewish National Fund. We devoted 25% of our money for the next generation. Now for leadership to do that means that you're thinking about 25 or 50 years. You don't get to see your name on that person. You're probably not going to see how your work is going to make that impact for tomorrow. So it is truly a gift of giving on based on just belief, belief, belief that what we're doing is the right thing. We set the Galileo and the Negev, as I told you, we had a water. We're dealing with people with disabilities. So that billion-dollar campaign that we're so far ahead is because we looked ahead. And we allowed people to participate. And in Jewish National Fund, we say, yes, we want your gift, but we would love you to be involved. Come to Israel, see it, touch it, be part of it. Do what you said, Ty. Come and see how literally you could put your hands in that soil, how you could get to know the people in Beersheba and Kiryat Shemona, how you could get to know the people in Akko to the Arava. And we want you to learn understand to be part of that great venture. And that's why the fastest growing part of our donor demographic, by the way, is our 22 to 40 year olds across the United States. So everybody that says the future, both for everyone in any kind of denomination, religion, we're always saying sometimes oy vey. I'm telling you the next generation is great. And we just have to keep supporting and building for them because they'll make even what we did greater and better. Well, one of the things I love about JNF is that you do take groups to Israel. And these aren't just tours of historical sites. You're taking them to see what's happening in Israel now. What are the projects that are happening uh, as you're talking about in the Negev and the Galilee? Uh, A few years ago, we had uh, a man, a young man come to an event that we had, and uh, he was part had been part of your caravan for democracy. Uh, could you just give people an insight into what that is? Because I think that's a wonderful project. So it's so great, Ty. Matter of fact, today in Israel is our caravan for democracy. It never has gone in the summer, but because of Corona, we had to postpone our winter trip. So for eight years, we have been going to college campuses, and we have been talking to non-Jews not to the Jews, to the non-Jews who were leaders from leadership in, 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 in the religious movement on the campus or Republican Party, Democratic Party or the Arts Society. If you are a leader, and we would prefer juniors because we want them to be on college campus for a little bit longer. And we had over three to 400 applicants per year to take 80 per year. And they get interviewed. We want to take people who want to make a difference for tomorrow. These are non-Jews that were taken to Israel. And I have to tell you, we don't take them. I'm I'm very proud. We take them on a Jewish National Fund mission. Why? If you want to see real Israel, I don't have to take you to go to the foreign ministry to hear a speaker from the government. I don't have to take you to a 
to a newspaper writer from the Arab community. By the way, you'll have all that. But just because that is what Israel is, when they're walking around the old city, and they're always shocked. This is people who've never been to Israel. They're college students. You could talk to them the day before they leave. People whose parents have told us, they told us their parents said, don't go. It's, it's you know, you're, what's going to happen to you? It's, it's going to be a terrible experience. And they're going there and walk down in Yerushalayim. Ty, you've been, you know, yeah. you want to talk about coexistence in a beautiful place? Just walk down and kind of look around and see something called the people. Uh, go down to the Arabah, down where I told you, where we have 1,500 students from Southeast Asia and Africa learning how to bring food onto their plate when they return to their country. Our Caravan for Democracy Leadership do. And then they come back to college campuses and they talk the story. They don't have to be defend Israel, because I don't believe Israel needs the defense. They just talk about the real Israel and the real story. And we keep in touch with them, Ty. And today, I can tell you, eight years later, I can tell you where every caravan student is today. We have caravan students that are working in business and politics, and they're talking about the real story, the story of Israel and the people of Israel. Well, it's certainly needed, especially uh, we were just talked last season to um, David Brog with the Maccabee Task Force. And it's a scary place for a lot of Jewish and, and pro-Israel students in general, the campus. Um, but when you can take those leaders, take them to Israel, let them see for themselves what's actually there, it's a completely different story from what many of them are hearing. And they're seeing the, the wonderful projects, uh, humanitarian projects that JNF is doing. Um, I, I wish I was a junior in college because I would be signing up for that. Yeah, but I can't wait. I'm going to take you Ty, with me i know you go often but now we're able to travel let's pick a time and and to any of your listeners we've got groups going all the time from culinary trips and and uh so you you know all sorts of kinds of trips that could be uh, there but we're willing to work with people also to even to enhance their own itineraries well i i really want to go with you i'd love to do a jewish national fund trip um that brings me to the to the question, how can people get involved? I mean, we have a, an audience made up of Jewish people and Christians. Um, how can people get involved in what the in the work of Jewish National Fund? So, you know, first off, the name of your podcast, Gesher Bridge, is such a beautiful uh, name because that's what it is. It's about bridge. And and I we you could go to JNF.org. By the way, we have virtual trips to Israel. So when we started during the corona and during the pandemic, uh, it was our president, matter of fact, called me. It was about a month into the uh, uh, pandemic. He says, you know what? I want to take a trip to Israel. I said, well, good. So does everybody else. He said, let's take a virtual. So they're live guides who are doing a virtual trip. And we only take 25 on a, on a trip. And you can sign up for our virtual trips. Why 25? Because it's a one-week trip for one hour and the one-hour discussion. We want to have the interaction on the trip. Your guide, your guide is live, and we've had 9,700 people participate. Go to jnf.org forward slash travel, and you can see those virtual and our trips that are being planned. You can uh, um, go online or call our 1-800 number, 542-8733, 1-800-542-8733, and not only contribute, ask to be involved. We're across the United States in Las Vegas to Los Angeles, to New York, to, to uh, Mississippi and, and Florida. 
And we want you to be involved. We're having a, a day in September called Spectacular Sunday. And uh, that is for people to go peer to peer and, and utilize our peer to peer page and, and ask people to participate in this great movement. And we're looking for not the million dollar givers will take it. We're looking for the givers at $150 and, and to be part of our movement and to show that, that 600,000 people participate in the Jewish National Fund uh, campaign. That's an engagement. It takes you back tied to, as you told, that blue box was a way that somebody would take that coin. Here it hit that blue box. Contribute to something, the hope and the dreams and the vision, people who would never see the land of Israel, six million of them who perished. But today, believing, being part of the bridge, being part of tomorrow, you get to participate in a nation still under creation. Well, Russell Robinson, I want to thank you for uh, the work of Jewish National Fund. I want to thank you for giving of your time so generously to, to talk with us today uh, about the work that Jewish National Fund has done and is doing and will be doing. Uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. And to all of your listeners, thank you. The work of the Jewish National Fund is vital. Without it, Israel would be a much different place and its people would be the worse for their absence. I encourage you to contact your local Jewish National Fund chapter to see how you can get involved with them and how you can invest in the land and the people of Israel for yourself. You've been listening to the Gesher Podcast. I'm your host, Ty Perry. For more information about me, visit ty-perry.com. For more information about the Friends of Israel, visit foi.org. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform to ensure that you receive future episodes automatically. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom.